Okay, we should be, hold on, okay, we're good. All right, everybody, welcome back again to uh, Cuatro Cuatro Dos. Once again, I am your boy Christian, as always, and today I have a special guest that I've been wanting to talk to for a while, uh, just because uh, lately I've been kind of interested in this whole second division of soccer here in the United States, and who else than to bring actually a person that's very, very embedded in you know, into this whole league than to bring Edson over here. So how you doing, brother? Hi, how you doing, Christian? How you doing, everybody uh, from the Cuatro Cuatro Dos uh, audience? I hope everybody's having uh, a great week so far. Hey, it's almost 4th of July weekend, so it's, let, let's, let's take advantage of it and let's be safe. Ready, yeah, ready to celebrate in a safe way, huh? Um, so basically, um, I wanted to have you on because I've been uh, – you know, now that I've been kind of getting into soccer again, you know, I I was always, I grew up playing soccer, but now that I'm trying to, you know, put a little bit more content about different leagues, I was like, why not focus in our leagues here in the United States? Um, and, you know, come to find out that, you know, there's a lot of different leagues and a lot of different teams. And obviously you have the MLS, which is like the one that, you know, most people know of, most people watch because it's, the professional one, right? I mean, all the other ones are professional as first well. First division, right? you could say. Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. The first division. Uh, but then you also have, like, the USL uh, championship that has 35 teams. That's a lot of teams. Yes. And then, you know, you can go down the ranks with the, you know, with the USL League One, with the League Two, and then the regional leagues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but before we get into all that, I wanted to talk about you a little bit because we were just talking about how you're from – from the Valley. And to be honest with you, I, I grew up here in Houston, you know, I'm Argentinian, but I grew up here in Houston mm -hmm. and I didn't know the Valley was that far away. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of interesting because um, before I lived in Houston, I spent a year at a uh, Texas A&M uh, right out of high school. So um, in, in the Rio Grande Valley, our first instinct is to, to call the RGB the Valley, right? Yeah. So people at, our, at Texas A&M, they ask, well, where are you from, right? Well, I'm from the Valley. And a lot of people think like, oh, it's Brazos Valley, right? Because yeah. that, that they think of the Valley as Brazos Valley. So I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, this is more, this is in South Texas. And so they said like, oh, San Antonio, Corpus Christi. No, 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 no. More down. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is like right in the border with Mexico. But yeah, it's usually about five and a half uh, or six hours, depending on how much traffic you have uh, trying to get out of the city. Yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 it's really far away, uh, in, uh, distance travel to, to get from Houston. To and uh, the Valley consists of like different cities, right? Or am I wrong? Yes, it's actually comprised of four different counties. So you've got Star County, Hidalgo County, Willacy County, and Cameron County. So you're talking about like from um, Roma, Texas, Obviously, uh, Rio Grande City, McAllen, Texas, uh, Harlingen, Brownsville, and of course, South Padre Island. So all of these cities uh, constitute the Rio Grande Valley. Cool. Yeah, because I, like I was telling you, I was like, you know, because I know you cover, you know, RGV FC, and you cover the Dynamo and the Dash. And I was like, how does this guy do it? Because, you know, I would see you post pictures at the games over there, and I was like, and pictures here you know, at BBVA, and I was like, does this guy really drive, you know, back and forth? I was like, you know, 
kudos to you, man, because you have a lot of miles in your car, probably, huh? Oh, be- believe me, <laughs> believe me, it's it, it's a lot of miles. So, uh, you know, speaking of that, I had uh, purchased a vehicle uh, two years ago, uh, in October of two years of 2017, and I it already has about 68,000 miles in those two years. Jesus so, Christ. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's a lot of mileage, but like, you know, but like I told you before we went on air, you know, in an, it's kind of like two birds with one stone kind of thing. Cause almost all of my family still lives in, in McAllen. So mm-hmm. it's one of those trips where I go and cover, I go and cover the team because uh, I have it planned. So when I go visit my family, when, the, when the team plays, so uh, that's how I kind of schedule it. Other than that, I'm usually here in Houston at a BBVA stadium, you know, covering the Dynamo or, or, or the Dash. And I want to ask you about, because you are involved in now, what, three different shows like that you do? Yeah, so so I'm, to, I'm the producer for The Peel. Um, they were actually... And we'll, I'll go ahead and, and get more in depth about the whole history of how it all started. Uh, but right now I'm the producer of the Peel, so I handle you know their uh, Justin and Josh's feeds uh, on Skype, get and then getting that video feed into the show and transmitting that into YouTube. So that's what I do for the Peel. Obviously, I am the uh, uh, the co-host uh, of Down in the Valley. Uh, where I do the shows and also I do, uh, I collaborate with Mente Futbolera in Spanish. So I write, uh, occasionally I write some articles right now. I'm starting a new, uh, project with them in, in a small little segments, little mini podcasts in Spanish to cover the Dynamo, the Dash and RGB. Um, so, you know, it, it's one, it's one of those things where you, I look at myself and I'm like, how am I doing this? But, Honest, honestly, it's, just, it's like, I'm just kind of happy that I'm doing it because it keeps my mind occupied. It, it, it keeps my creative juices flowing. And when you have a, a full-time job where that's all you do, you have to be on your toes. Uh, and when you have the, you know, the, with the weekends off, you kind of want to de-stress a little bit. And what better way to do it than doing with than participating in a hobby of something that you love in my case you know soccer sure yeah i mean because you you do a lot so basically most of your free time goes into this or do you do anything else on on the side because i know you play video games right i do i I do play video games uh, occasionally i do a lot of modding like i do a lot of texture uh creation so i don't know if you've seen in my uh, lately in in um in the in my Twitter ch- uh, account, uh-huh. I've been posting a lot of uh, textures where I create like the shirts, like the I created the Houston Dash away shirts uh, for GTA Five, the Toros away shirt. Uh, I actually do. I uh, was in the process of making a mod, which I did most of the stuff already for FIFA 20 to include RGBFC uh, in, in, into FIFA 20. So it's one of, it's one of those things where I'm not doing so if I'm not doing something like that. I'm doing something else, but it has to be soccer related. And uh-huh. uh, I really, I really enjoy it because like, like, like I said, like, you know, since I'm mostly in my apartment, you know, almost, all, <laughs> almost all of the time when I'm not at work, you yeah. know, it's, instead of just moping around, I'm kind of doing, you know, uh, something that, that, that keeps me alert. Keeping busy. So, yeah. um, so how did your uh, love for soccer start? It was it down in the Valley. 
Oh, definitely. So my, uh, so the soccer runs in the family. You know, my, my dad is a huge, a huge soccer fan. Uh, my mom's family, you know, my mom isn't that much, like she watches Rayados. That's her favorite team. She's from Monterrey. She's from Guadalupe, Nuevo Leon. Uh, but on her side of the family, yeah. half of the, half of my uncles, half of my family are Rayados. Half of my family are Tigres. Oh. So you have that, con, you know, you, you get, you get that um, culture of passion for soccer. Like since you're a kid, you know, you see baby pictures of me. I'm in a Rayados shirt and I'm not, I know I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it because I, I know it's, it's sacrilege. <laughs> I know it's sacrilege for a lot of people, but you see baby pictures of me. And I'm wearing a Rayados shirt because my parents are, both of my parents are huge Rayados fans. Oh. But, you know, as I grew up and I started, and my uncles from that are Tigres took me to the stadium, you know, that love and that passion, like, for Tigres, like, grew on me. And from then on, it's like a huge Tigres fan. So the whole, the whole culture of loving the, this team, like, you know, sh showing your love, like, showing, like, every, almost every game, every week, you know, tuning in to watching the, watching the games, you know, when you're at a carne asada, you know, with, with friends and, or, or family that are also huge soccer fans, like the first topic that you talk about is, hey, como le fue a, como le fue a Tigres? Or like, how did, how did your yeah. team do this week? Or something like that, you know, the, yeah. the constant, the, the constant banter, you know, between different uh, fan bases. So I was uh, kind of involved with all, with all of that, right? Now, when it came to American soccer with MLS, um, obviously I had a couple of cousins that live here in Houston at that, at, at the time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when Houston Dynamo came around, you know, they would, uh, they would invite us. Um, if I was here, if I came with my family here to Houston, you know, they, they would invite me or they would talk about the Dynamo and they would invite me to the stadium. So that, that kind of thing, uh, what kind of built up on it. Like I went, uh, uh, I would talk, they would talk about the Dynamo. I kind of like, if there was an occasion when I somehow found a, a Dynamo match uh, on TV, you know, I'd, I'd start, uh, I'd start watching it uh, down in the Rio Grande Valley. And it, it, it just, like I said, it was just one of those things where like, you kind of grow into, into the culture of like, Hey, you know what? Like, this is like, this is my team yeah. uh, uh, to, to follow. You know, you start ga gaining, you know, the culture of hating Frisco, uh, <laughs> hating sporting Kansas City at that yeah. time. So you kind of learn about all the traditions. And then when I, when I first came to B uh, BBVA Stadium, uh, man, it was, it, it was just like, it was just amazing. Because obviously I've been to stadiums in, in Mexico, you know, yeah, I've been to Universitario for Tigres, I've been to Tecnológico at that time uh, from Monterrey. But seeing a modern stadium at, at that time, like in person, it was just one of it was just one of those things where I like wow, like this is how far American soccer has gone. And for for some point, I was actually considered because I have a lot of friends in forums in um, in Mexico in Mexican forums, and I was known as the 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 soldier of MLS because always <laughs> always to like. Talk, like talking good about like MLS because of the experience that I was 
that that I that I had learned, you know, uh, started watching the games. Like you kind of see like people, they're always minimizing MLS. Oh, they're not good, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's, this is what you need to watch out for. It's like, ah, oh, you just, you know, you're a gringo. So uh, your opinion doesn't count kind of thing. But, you know, and that's and that's how it kind of kind of is. You know, I became a, a fan of, of the Houston Dynamo uh, uh, in in that aspect. Now, fast forward to 2015, and that was when RGV was announced. And the Valley had a couple of teams before um, in the P- in the USLPDL, the Premier Development League, RGV Bravos and the RGV Grandes. In those in those two teams. I went to like maybe one or two games, you know, considering that I was like with the Bravos, I was very like 16, 17. So I didn't have, I didn't have my own car yet. And the, the stadium where they were playing was relatively far away in, in, in uh, Rio Grande Valley terms. Um, so I didn't have the freedom to go to the, to the games as I, as I pleased, you know, but I would kind of follow, you know, the news saying, Oh, what were the results and kind of like that. But fast forward to 2015, RGBFC was, uh, was announced. And um, 2016 in its inaugural season, once again, you know, because usually I was working a part-time job, so I was usually working on, on weekends. But I was always, like, on, on the news or on social media, like, trying to uh, see, like, okay, what were the results? Uh, and kind of, like, kind of keeping up with, with the team, uh, you know, looking at, like, okay, who was brought down from the Houston Dynamo? And things like that. It was until the later part of, of the season when I kind of fit my schedule around to have, you know, the afternoons off on Saturdays where I was actually able to make it to more games. I actually joined the RGV Stampede. And the later part of the season, I was there for their playoff game against uh, OKC Energy. Um, so, you know, I, was, I became more and more in, uh, involved with, with RGVFC as time went on you know mm-hmm. now the i uh, go ahead no no go keep going keep going now the idea of uh being a podcaster or <laughs> you know being that involved with having your own uh social media accounts dedicated to a team it really did not so it didn't not it did not happen until 2017 my idea was you know i was in I'm going to be honest. I was in the middle of class in college. <laughs> I was bored because I already knew the material. So I was bored. I was like, you know what? The local, the local media, whether television or radio or newspapers, was doing a horrible job covering the team, you know? So I was like, maybe I should take it into my own hands to inform the fans of what's going on with the Toros, especially when it came to how the relationship with the, between the Dynamo and RGV worked, which was never talked about at all, mm-hmm. you know, uh, by, by the media. If yeah. anything, the occasion where they would just say what the score was and things like that, but a more de- in-depth analysis just never happened, right? Uh, so I came up, uh, I created a Twitter account at that time called La Carga Naranja. And that was what it was. It was, you know, it was just an, a, an account that was uh, just dedicated to see, like, the scores kind of explain some sort of the processes that, that were happening between uh, the affiliation. And um, it was not until 2017 or a, a later um, in, in June, July, to be exact, because that was 
that was when I moved uh, to Houston. In fact, if I go back a couple of weeks when I had my first interview with the, uh, the company I'm working with now, um, at that time, around the time, that's where I found The Peel, you know, and the, the show that kind of that where I found them was, it was a show that they did, I believe it was after a, it was either before or after a Texas Derby. So they actually had, so I was actually listening while I was working, I was listening to, to their show. And on there, I noticed that they had, they had a, their shows were on location at 8th Wonder Brewery at that time. So when I was going mm -hmm. to Houston that day, um, the office office obviously was closed. My, my interview was not until the day after, but I got there in the afternoon right before the show, their show was going to start. So I was like, you know what? I have nothing to do. You know, I don't, you know, uh, my, my aunt isn't expecting me until a little bit later. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and stop by and, you know, and, and, uh, and check out, check out the show. Yeah. So that's how I met Justin and Josh as I, once I was hired and actually moved to uh, Houston, that's when they, they came up or like after a show, they came up to me and they're like, Hey, you know, I know you are a huge fan of RGV. I'm pretty sure, you know, a hell of a lot more <laughs> of the Toros than we do. And at that time they had a segment, a 15 segment, a 15 minute segment with Carson Merck. Uh, it was called down in the Valley. And, was like, and they asked me if I could take over that segment you know, uh, for them with Carson. And I, and I wholeheartedly agreed. And that, and that's where, uh, that's where it all started from. Uh, after that year, at the end of that year, you know, they say, Hey, if you want, you can make it your own full show. And from then on, that's, that's where it's nice. That's where it's uh, Dude, grown to. That's interesting. I didn't know you like branched out of them. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. That's cool. And how long, do you know how long they've been doing that show? um for a while huh i think i think it might have been like a year or two but the down in the valley segment was probably started at the end of 2016 um, if not the if not early 2017 um but um it, it wasn't it, it was an old segment probably during the duration of how long how rgv uh was born you could say and um, I was going to ask you, because I saw you um, at the game uh, against Galaxy, the first season Dynamo game this mm -hmm. year, um, and you looked very professional. <laughs> you had your own little camera, and you, you had, like, a little microphone. Now, and, and I was, you know, I didn't talk to you because, you know, I'm kind of shy in person. Mm -hmm. I, and also, I, you know, I didn't want to bother anybody where they were, you know, working, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I was – gonna ask you like how did you like do you have any background in like media or like stuff like that or it also came from like that passion of wanting to be you know embedded in the in the culture and like transmitting that to the to the fans and stuff like that no actually you know my uh my degree is in computer information systems so it has nothing to do with with media has nothing to do with journalism or anything yeah. like that uh, more, I think what, how, why it became like that. And I have to really thank Victor Araiza and of course, uh, Jorge Clara of Deporte Total USA. I think they were, the, they were the, the two people in that usually go in the press box at Houston Dynamo 
that, that kind of mentored, mentored me and guided me into the direction of, hey, if you're going to be here at, at, in the press box, you have to take this seriously. You know, you have to show up in a professional, in a, in a professional manner, and that includes your, your dress code, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, Victor Araiza helped me out uh, with uh, trying to find, you know, uh, the, you know the, uh, the tripod uh, and some uh, different, uh, not supplies, but, you know, the different elements that you need, you know, microphones, stuff like that. Obviously, Sean Ringrose was also a huge help uh, during the, the time that I was with Generation Orange. He was a huge help in, in kind of guiding me into being able to have a bigger connection with people outside of my bubble, you know, when it comes and getting, you know, gaining contacts within the organization with other journalists from out, you know, from outside, you know, your local coverage yeah. as well. So there's many different people that I've met along the ways that kind of guided, guided me and down in the Valley to be where, where it is now. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all those people that you named, I, I also follow and yeah, they seem, that's the thing that I noticed when I went to the game. Cause that was the first game that I went as a, as like a media member whatever mm -hmm. you know i it's weird for me to call myself media because i'm like like you i'm just like a regular guy uh you know trying to trying to do something um but it was interesting to see because everybody like everybody kind of knows everybody and everybody helps everybody so it's like you know because you would think you know everybody uh since everybody kind of does the same thing they would be like competing or you know just you know how in different uh, jobs or whatever, people tend to compete with people that do the same thing as they do, you know? Mm -hmm. but, but I think, in, oh, sorry, but no, I think the it. reason, I think the reason that, that it is quite how it is here in, 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 with Houston media is that most of the, most of the people that week in and week out cover the Houston Dynamo are also independent members, are also independent media. They're not media, it's not media that, that, that come from Univision or for come from ABC or, or all of the, the, local, radio, or the mm -hmm. local stations. It's people like you and I that, ha that, that are independent from the, the major networks yeah. and things like that. So the way they see it is, hey, if we want to build, if we want for people to cover the, the, the Houston Dynamo, to cover the Houston Dash. We all need to work together to build a foundation, to build a market, to make sure that the information is out there, you know, collaborate with, with each other. So that way the big media realizes that there is a market uh, for the Dynamo and Dash coverage, and they can start implementing that more in, in, into, their, into their TV stations, radio yeah. stations, or newspapers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. You know, and, and like you said, you know, independent people that actually care about the team and they're actually fans. And, you know, like you, because the way that I see it also is like Houston kind of doesn't get, or the Dynamo and Dash do, don't get that recognition that the other teams do. Like if you listen to like the sports radio, uh, other than Glenn Davis, like there is no other like soccer specific show, you know? And uh, and like you said, you know, we kind of have to create our own like space, I guess, for it. But but yeah, I mean, Houston is not known for being a soccer city, but as we see it, and especially now that I kind of started doing my thing and, and focus like soccer in Houston, 
like you see all these teams popping up and like you know the the u was it the upsl and you know just like a like the soccer culture is big and we just don't know it because nobody's caring enough to cover it so correct but yeah i mean it's cool to see because when i first started to be honest when i first started my come and take it podcast like two seasons ago i was like is it possible that i am the only one you know covering the houston dynamo and then i started looking up and then i saw generation orange i saw the peel you know i saw you down in the valley i saw glenn davis the porte total usa and like you start seeing all these sh- and we're like whoa we're like what happened you know where are these guys coming from like why isn't anybody picking these guys up to like you know uh show off soccer and stuff like that but it's cool it's cool to see that you know like uh like um the guys from appeal kind of helped you out gave you your own show gave you an opportunity gave you a chance and they saw how passionate you were um i mean i just think it's cool it's cool that everybody helps mm-hmm. each other and everybody's kind of nice to each other you know in that in that sense yeah. And, and got to hand it to the guys is like, it's a, like, it's become more than just a partnership. Like it's become a, like a true friendship between uh, me, Josh and, and Justin. So good. Uh, and you, yeah, you can kind of hear it in the, in the, cause I listen to, to all the shows that you, you know, you guys do and uh, you know, generation orange and everybody. And yeah, you can see that friendship. So it, it's cool that it's not only like partners and like business in a way, mm-hmm. but you know, it's actually friends that just want to, you know, talk soccer and, it kind of takes you back, like, you know, going to, to your family reunion where you're just, like, talking crap and, like, you know, shooting shit and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's cool. It's cool. But um, let's get into uh, the USL. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming back next weekend, right? Not this weekend coming up, but... Correct. Uh, July, 11th. July 11th. Yeah. July 11th. So, so um, I was seeing that some of the – some teams are – I don't know if it's USL specifically, but uh, for example, we also like is, is that they're going to have fans. Is that, do you know if that's going to be everybody or do you know if it's team by team basis? It's on a, so basically it's on a team by team basis. Um, I know Louisville city is actually going to have their home opener in their brand new stadium on uh, Sunday uh, on that on Sunday, the 12th. Uh, Real Monarchs has also announced that their home opener uh, is going to be with with fans uh, as well, which which is a yeah. com- also different subject right there with the whole you know NWSL Challenge Cup, yeah. you know. But other teams, for example, I know that there are some other there are some other teams. For example, uh, San Diego Loyal, uh, LA LA Two, that have announced that either they can they have to find an alternate venue. For the example of San Diego, I mean, they play in a college stadium, so the college does not did not allow them to uh, pl- uh, go back into playing into that stadium. So they had to find an alternate venue, and with the number of cases so high uh, there as well, you know, they're they're probably going to uh, be playing behind closed doors. Now, in the case of RGVFC, I mean, we have not heard an official word from uh, Golden Grape Entertainment yet. But the way things are going, and I talked about it in, in last week's episode, you know, the way that the cases in the Rio Grande Valley are, are exponentially getting greater every day and with uh, state ordinances, you know, coming in with, uh, with uh, mass gatherings of 100 peop- 100, more than 100 people, you know, not being allowed, 
apparently that doesn't uh, that doesn't that has nothing to do with uh, uh, outside gatherings like in in uh, state sports stadiums mm-hmm. or anything like that. But Hidalgo County has also issued a curfew, you know, mm-hmm. where I believe for adults it's 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. where you can't be if you're not an essential worker you can't be out there, you know, yeah. uh, at night. So these kind these kind of things, although they have not um, made an official announcement, which hopefully they can they can release something soon, hopefully by by this weekend or something, um, but it'll more than probably mean that. HEB Park will not be open to the public uh, for the uh, 2020 season uh, for the Taurus. And uh, going back to, uh, I just kind of, I had a new question. Going back into the whole, like, covering RGV, how close are you with, with RGV, like the, like the organization in general? Because they seem to treat you really good in a way, or is it my perception? <laughs> That's a whole, that's, so it's, it's a complete, that's a really good story. There's a really good story about it because it, 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 so my relationship with the Toros went from like super bad to like super good. Really? Yeah. So basically what happened was when uh, La Carga Naranja was still a thing, I was, I was actually, it was my last semester in college at UTRGV and a source of mine he leaks to me the information on what the jersey was going to look like for the 2017 season. <laughs> that, hey, hold on, hold on. That's so funny to me, the whole, like, sources and leaks. Like, it's so – because uh, in my mind, like, in my mind, when everybody talks about, like, for example, the athletic. Yeah. Putting all these sources – like, you know, they get all these leaks and stuff. It makes – like, I can picture, like, you know, like, you, like, sitting at home or whatever and, like, getting a phone call from, like, a private number – and there's like a guy in a payphone is like, hey, bro, I got news. Like, to me, it's just funny. But yeah, continue, continue. See, you say, you say that, and that's basically how it is. Most of oh, the yeah? times, they go, they go to you. You don't go to them. They go to you. That's funny. Right? So, um, so he leaks to me, you know, he doesn't show me a picture or anything. He just says, okay, it's going to look like this. It's going to have, like, black stripes. In fact, I have that jersey, like, right here. If you can, if you can see, see that jersey? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he tells me everything about it. He's like, oh, it's going to look like this. The sponsor's going to be Lone Star National Bank. It's a yada, yada, yada. So what I do is, you know, at that time I was sorry, uh, like I was already doing FIFA stuff, right? Uh, you know, textures. Yeah. So based on the description that he gave me, based on what the template, I, the Nike template uh, was, you know, I made a mock-up of it and I posted <laughs> a close-up. Of it, and it was just a close-up to like this part, right? So where the crest is. Yeah. And I posted that on, on the La Carga Naranja Twitter. So <laughs> I get a, so I get a, a message from um, one of the guys, one of the guys at, at the Toros. He was, he was actually like the liaison between the stampede and, uh, and the organization. Yeah. And he tells me to take it down because <sighs> apparently the president of the, uh, of the Toros was mad that he had leaked it. He even got as far to say, he even went as far to say that they were going to have an event, a Jersey reveal event and that I had ruined it, yada, yada, yada. Oh no. So I was like, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it down. But it was funny was, is that a lot, a lot of the people that saw that leak, they loved the kit. So yeah. instead I felt like instead of going with that momentum, they decided to just ax it right there. Right. And from what I've, what I've been told, you know, it like, that that current that president at that time Bert Garcia like like he did not he like he had <laughs> he was not happy about that in fact um I had applied 
for a press pass uh, for uh, La Carga Naranja at that time. And I want to assume that it's because, well, you know, I was so brand new, so I didn't have any reputation at all at that time. Yeah. But I was, you know, I was rejected, you yeah. know. <laughs> so once I came, once I came to, uh, to Houston and I started working for the Peel, or not working, but I collaborating with the Peel, um, I, you know, I applied again. And this time it, 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 it was actually uh, accepted. Um, uh, to be to to get the press pass for for uh, RGBFC, and then there was a huge shakeup at the organization. The uh, the president stepped down. A lot of the people that were in the organization they left. You know, they, a huge shakeup. They brought in a lot of new people, and uh, you know, so I so I started you know uh, getting getting involved. Started communicating with the new uh, media director, uh, Amirani Ramirez. Uh, with a lot of people within the front office, you know, could just kind of get myself out there, you know, yeah. uh, so that people know that I'm cover I'm covering the team thing. Like I'm not trying to like destroy the team or anything. Like I I'm trying to build the team and help them, you know, grow their coverage with, with the fans in the Rio Grande Valley and all of that, you know, it's it, from then on, it's, it's been, it's been a good, it's been a good relationship with, with the front office, a good relationship with, with the players, a good relationship uh, with coaches. Um, however, like I always tell them, you know, don't expect for me to be a, a yes man to the organization. If there's something that needs to be criticized about the organization, I'm going to criticize it. And you guys go on to, you guys take it, take it whatever way you want. If I, if I, <laughs> uh, if, if I ruffle some feathers, then so be it. But nice. I'm going to say what needs to be said kind of thing. And they That's understand. Good. So, yeah. I mean, you're just doing your job as a fan, not only as a, as a reporter, right. But as a Correct. fan, and sometimes fans don't like it as we know as Houston Dynamo fans, right. <laughs> and you know, it's always, and it's one of those things, one of the things that I did learn, you know, from Victor Araiza, is you have you might have some different opinions and you're gonna voice it. You're always you know you're always welcome to voice your opinion that you don't like something. Yeah. But one of those those things is a lot of the times, especially with the way the Dynamo work, who, who tend to be not transparent at all. <laughs> and, and let's be on, let's be honest, they're not transparent, right? It's, it's true. So we see a couple of things and we assume things uh, happen because of this, when in reality. It's because of something else. So you always have to give the, the organization an opportunity to give their side of the story kind yeah. of thing and kind of, kind of be, kind of be a, ambiguous and a, as non-biased as possible. Sure, you have your personal opinions that you're going to voice, but as someone in the, in the media who has the, uh, I guess, the responsibility to inform the people, you got to make sure you got to have a, a, as much of both sides of the story as possible and then let the, your audience reach their own decision based on both sides. True, true. Yeah. Give the facts, let them decide. Correct. Yes. That's good. Uh, okay, let's go back into to USL. <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, so obviously with the whole Corona stuff, um, obviously the, the season was stopped and now it's coming back and uh, they decided to do things differently, right? They divided basically all 35 teams into different groups. It's mm -hmm. going to be like a... I don't know, like more like an MLB type thing, right? In a way, not really, but. So basically, all right. So, so basically they divided all 35 teams uh, within both conferences uh, into eight groups. So four groups for the Eastern Conference, four groups for the Western Conference uh, between four or five teams within each group. 
and basically they're going to be they're going to be playing 16 matches uh or actually no correct uh actually wrong 16 matches in total including any matches that they have previously played before so for example rgb they played their first match against la galaxies 2 so that match counts uh towards that six those 16 matches so technically the toros need 15 match have 15 matches left right so they're playing 12 out of those 16 total matches they're playing 12 matches with teams within their group so for example they're going to be playing against san antonio against el paso or not el paso sorry san antonio austin fc tulsa and oklahoma city energy yeah and the rest of those uh, games, those 16 games, those four, will be against uh, teams that are outside of their group. So the LA Galaxy 2 is going to count for that four. The first match that they're going to be playing against El Paso is going to be the other one, and uh, is going to be the second one. And I believe the third one is against New Mexico. And I know there's one more, but I haven't really uh, looked in depth at the schedule uh, since it's come up. But those three are going to be uh, outside of the group matches, and that's the way it's going to work. The first two uh, teams in, uh, from each group qualify into the playoffs. So that means you're playing San Antonio four times, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. Correct. So is, that, Antonio, is that actually three times? Three times. Okay. Three times because we were playing three times against San Antonio, three times against Austin, three times against FC Tulsa, and three mm. times against Oklahoma City. Twelve. Yeah, makes sense. Matt, three, six, nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, is San Antonio consider your derby, the RGB? Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Since the, since the beginning. Uh, how, since, how, since, how much since hate 20, is there? Definitely <laughs> a lot of definitely a lot of heat uh, in the beginning. Mostly, in, and here's here's the thing. So in 2016, obviously that was when we had our best lineup. It was a it was a team that was promised to be a championship. Uh, when they created the Toros. Uh, Wilmer Cabrera and Bert Garcia, they said that this was going to be a team to fight for championships. And in 2016, it was, you're talking about, you know, players from abroad, you know, like Charlie Ward, Kevin Garcia brought in from Europe as well. Uh, uh, XMLS players, USL veterans, and of course, Dynamo Academy. So you had, it was all around, you know, uh, a really rounded team. Mix. They made it to the second second place in the Western Conference, lost in the first round against Oklahoma City Energy in the most tragic way possible. <laughs> uh, and um, but going back, you know, in that 2016 season, the last game of the the last game of the season was RGV versus San Antonio FC. San Antonio FC needed to win to make it to the playoffs, and we beat them. At, it was like three to one or something like that so we axed them from the playoffs <laughs> and from then on it's just and because it, at that time we were the only two texas teams it was mm. it, it was it, it, it was obvious that it that was going to be the the major rivalry right mm. so uh it's always been this huge back and forth you know with bragging rights san antonio beat us in our in our uh uh inaugural game at or well, not the inaugural game but the inaugural usl game at hb park so they have that uh, to brag. Like we beat you in your first game at the stadium. Uh, we've uh, we've got them out of Copa Texas last season. You know, uh-huh. uh, we killed their chances of winning Copa Texas. Uh, I believe twice we've uh, their their results have uh, led to them being out of playoffs. So it's this whole kind. Of, this this is how the rivalry kind of uh, kind of grew between uh, San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley. And culture wise, there's always been. 
a rivalry between the the city of San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley as a region, whether it's when it comes to breakfast tacos, <laughs> uh, to the to the culture in general, you know, to things you can to things to do in the city. There's always been a big rivalry between those in those two cities. Um, however, the rivalry in the San Antonio aspect kind of died down, mostly because the inclusion of Austin Bold and how close Austin Bold is to San Antonio compared to the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, a lot of San Antonio fans, and let's not forget, and this is this is a, a personal opinion of mine, the <laughs> fact that that we are the, we we are their fathers. Um, so so they so. <laughs> um, so they've a lot of the San Antonio fans have kind of wanted to send to Austin being their main rival per se. So so Austin is like the stepchild in a way. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then we all regard uh, El Paso as not from Texas but rather from uh, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, like, so like Frisco is uh, South Oklahoma, exactly. El Paso is East New Mexico. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. That's funny. And um, how do you see the team going in into this uh, this whole like tournament thing or you know campeonato going in? How how's the team? How do you see it? You know going in. How do you think they're gonna do? My biggest concern is roster depth. We had a lot of our roster or the feelings of our roster are fringe MLS players. Ronaldo Pena. Michael Salazar, Michael Nelson, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Eric McHugh, mm-hmm. uh, obviously Marcelo Palomino. So they are all going to be including, you know, they're all going to be at the MLS's back tournament with the Houston Dynamo. They just recently signed Kyle Adams during the offseason. They signed Nico Lemoyne uh, during this during yeah. this break. And those two, those two players are more than likely going to be with the Dynamo in Orlando. So you so that RGV is just left with their with their with their base, and I think uh, on fr- last Friday when we uh, had a press conference with uh, Coach Chiveri, he mentioned that we had around 18 active players on our roster that are available uh, that are that are not going to be with Houston, you know, in one way or another. So you're talking about a condensed tournament where you're going to have you know three weekday matches. Wow. Uh, within these 16 games and so coach Echeverry has to find has to find a way to rotate them and and be able to avoid avoid injuries avoid uh players uh contracting the virus uh etc etc so that is my biggest concern i know we have i know we have the talent we don't have the experience we've ne- uh outside of 2016 We've never really had a, 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 a ex, experienced players, you know, uh, for the most part. So we're going to go up against a team like Austin Bold, full of experienced players, not only in the USL, but abroad. You're talking about a team that has Xavi Baez, a team that has a, a, um, a and I think an Argentinian as well, a couple of Brazilians. So, uh, so it's people that, that, that know their way around, around, around soccer that know how to get into the minds of young kids. So sure. Our kids are, our our players are full of energy and stuff like that. Uh, But it's the experience that sometimes that kind of gets you that way. Obviously I trust, I trust my players, but 
you look you look honestly like being fair and, yeah. and, and unbiased you look at our our performances the past couple of years you're talking about 12th place 13th place so there is something that's missing with the roster to make that jump from being a fr- a, a french team to not say mediocre and it comes to results to actually being a playoff contender and and that's how it is and that's how it is and that's how it's going to be uh this season however the good thing is it's a can it's a condensed schedule within teams within within your actual uh state pretty much so you pretty much know what you've got i was talking yesterday on my mini podcast for down in the valley that San Antonio, we we've we've got their number for the most part. The, if we don't if we don't win, you know, we, we kind of tie them in, in a in a matter that kind of uh, gets them ticked off. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, like last season where, where uh, we had a, we were playing against it, we were two zero down, and they ha- and we had ten men because uh, oh. uh, Fuenmayor was doing Fuenmayor things, um, and we and we tied them two to two at their uh, at their stadium. Um, uh, OKC energy <laughs> as well. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of. Yeah. You get to know them and, and especially since you play them so many times, you kind of get, yeah, I see what yeah. you're saying. Um, what was I going to tell you? Damn. It slipped my mind. I had a tip of my tongue. Sorry. Uh, crap. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Um, Oh yeah, okay. I remembered. So, what do you, in your opinion, what do you think? It's like, um, what what is missing there for for them to be, like like you said, not a mediocre team, but like you know, an average team to to make it to like a championship level, competing at the end. What what, what do you think they're missing? And do you think also a follow up question? Do you think that has a lot to do with? like the state of the Houston Dynamo as a parent organization in a way, uh, and also seeing how the Houston Dynamo struggles in that sense too? I think you, I think you hit the nail right in the head. The way this, the way this uh, relationship works is obviously Lone Star Entertainment, Golden Grape Entertainment, they own and they manage the business side of things of RGEFC. Houston Dynamo runs the technical side. So they're the ones that get the players. They're the ones that, 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 that hire coaches. They're the, they're the ones that pay their sal- the, the players and coaches' salaries, et cetera, et cetera. So the way that the Dynamo have handled the Toros from 2017 till now, let's get, is, let's get a bunch of young guys from the, from the Dynamo Academy. Let's get a bunch of young guys out of college. And if these players don't make it to the Dynamo first team in two to three years, they're out. So it doesn't matter that they were the best uh, players uh, for this team. Obviously, I'm talking about uh, Todd Warden, our our best midfielder. He was our best midfielder, I believe, since the beginning, since 2016. But because he didn't get an MLS contract after his third year, he was he was kicked off. He was not he was not renewed. So fans that were starting to appreciate and show uh, support toward these kind of players, well, now they don't have an idol anymore. Same yeah. thing goes with Chuy Enriquez. You know, he was the fan favorite, but because the Houston Dynamo didn't want him, now he's with San Antonio. And, you yeah. know, so those kind of things. So no, continu- no long-term continuity, I think, is one of the issues that I have with the Houston Dynamo, especially with the way Matt Jordan 
runs things. Uh, and at the time, Wilmer Cabrera. Another, another aspect that I kind of have had a fault with him, mostly in the 2017 season, was in 2017, you signed Eric Bird, you signed Charlie Ward, you signed Kevin Garcia, you signed uh, George Malky. So you're talking about, the, you know, the support, like the base of that 20, successful 2016 season team. You signed them to a first-team contract, but you never allowed them to go back down with RGV to continue developing. So we had to start our, our roster almost, almost from scratch. The chemistry was, uh, was axed, and we had to start from the very beginning. And these, and these guys that were in Houston, outside of Kevin Garcia, they never got any minutes with, yeah. with, the, with the Houston Dynamo. So that kinda, that's where the friction between both fan bases kind of started. Uh, and it's one of those things that I've been very vocal about that the, the Dynamo needs to be a lot more, a lot smarter in the in the in how they handle these intra uh, intra league loans between RGVSC and the Houston Dynamo and how they sign uh, sign the players. Because the issue I also have is a player goes on a really good run, like Michael Salazar last season, scoring a lot of goals, scoring a lot of goals for the team. And it's just as he's getting good, oh, he's going to the Houston Dynamo. Yeah. So you never allow the RGV to get into a groove. Don't get me wrong. Had Michael Salazar continued to be with RGV FC last season, I feel like, I feel, uh, I feel like we could have we gone into the playoffs because Michael was scoring and then, at the, and then also uh, Carlos Small was scoring as well. Malik Foster was, was being very active, you know, obviously with Chuy Enriquez as well. We had a really good attack, you know, and we could have made it to the playoffs and we continued with that momentum. But as soon as we had some momentum, it was axed. We had to start from scratch. And then by the time we started going on a good run, well, we were already out of the playoffs. All, we, yeah. uh, all that was left for us to do was play spoiler. Yeah. So a couple, I don't know, maybe like months back, um, there was like a rumor I don't know if it was months or weeks back, but there was a rumor of that partnership kind of being dissolved in a way. Um, and then, it, you know, they were like, oh, no, it's, it's not. But I actually wanted to ask you about it then. I didn't ask you. Uh, but my question to you was going to be as a RGV fan and also since you are part of that culture over there, was going to be how does the fan base in the Valley feel about <laughs> – I think I know, but, you know, field tours like the front office here in, in Houston. Because, I mean, honestly, with everything you're describing and everything that we are able to see, you know, with the whole, you know, picking players at their best moments, you know, just to integrate them here and then not really giving them a chance in a way. Uh, and then also kind of leaving you guys with like the remainder of players and, in, in, in you know, in a, in a good way, I guess. Um, how is that sentiment from the from the Rio Grande Valley, you know, people towards the the front office here? Let me channel. Let me channel my inner Jerson Echeverry. No comment. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no I'm just kidding. Uh, I just needed to put it out uh, yeah. to, to do that one time in this show. No, but a lot of people in the Rio Grande Valley, a lot of fans, a lot of people in the Stampede. You know, I have a lot, a really close connection with the Stampede. You know. I'm always, you know, I'm always uh, talking with them, you know, uh, I'm getting their feedback uh, about the team. And 
almost all of the members of the Stampede were very much in favor of independence from, from the Houston Dynamo. In fact, tw- the end of, I think it happened in 2017. Yeah. 2017, and I think in the beginning of 2018, there was, there was two different instances where relations between both fan bases was like at its worst. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about getting into Twitter arguments between, oh, no. between uh, members of both fan bases, uh, insults being thrown around, you, you name it, right? And I'm here stuck in the middle of it as a Dynamo <laughs> yeah. and, a, and an RGE yeah, fan. I was like, what it was, do I do? Like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? What do I, what do I say? Because it's like, I understand, I understand the Dynamo side. I understand RGV side, but my inner, my, my inner 956 uh, mind is like, I want to side with our, with the, with the RGV fans because that's what I felt is better for our team. Right. But, you know, and it, it was just, it was like so bad. Like, I like, I just wanted to, I was like, why am I in this? He just like stepped away. But, let, let yeah, <laughs> let it cool down. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I actually, you know, when this whole leak that uh, Glenn Davis um, declared that you were talking about, one of the things that I did bring up with uh, my RGV guys, uh, my RGV friends, is okay. Let's say that let's say that RGV does end the relationship with the Houston Dynamo, right? So now, Alonso Cantu, the owner, has to deal with the added expense, mm. buying players, getting, a, getting new coaching staff, getting, getting new scouts, you know, getting, getting new front office, uh, front office members that handle the technical aspects of the team. Yeah. Unless Alonso Cantu gets other investors into the team, it's going to be very difficult for the for rgvfc to handle that additional expense like almost instantly unless they move down to league one right where where the expenses are a whole lot less so you know you gotta you gotta think of it like that yes as a fan as a fan we want this team to be the best we want this team to feel the the best players uh, as financially possible we feel that the Houston Dynamo really limits us in our potential as a team, a potential as a soccer market. Uh, but you look, you have to look at it in the financial aspect of like, what happens if because we want independence, that ends up leaving that it's unfeasible for Alonso Cantu to continue with this project and scrap it. And now we're left without a team. So you have to see both sides, uh, both sides, both sides of, the, the causes and effects of, of a decision as important as gaining independence from the team, how much is that going to affect the long-term viability of uh, the team and the market? Yeah, it's, it's a very intricate uh, relationship right there. It, it kind of sucks because in a way, I mean, me personally, I would love if, if it was possible to see just the RGV to like flourish as his own team, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, just so you don't have to like, you know, de- in a way, depend on the dynamo so much, and you know, because you literally are just like a funnel of like, like a trial team <laughs> in a way to see if they can get you know better player, you know, good players out of there. You know, it's like uh, you know, 
you're not good enough to come to the MLS yet, but here, let me put you here, floors there, build yourself up, and whenever you're good, we'll just pluck you right out. And then the team over there just kind of is like, wait, like, what happened with us? Like, it's like y'all being y'all are being used in a way, and, and it just kind of sucks. <laughs> it 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 does. And uh, I think the, you know, and I was talking about it with uh, a couple of people in the last couple, couple of months in regards to that, that it seems like this whole relationship, it's a one-way relationship. The ones who gain yeah. the most are the Houston Dynamo and not RGB. And one of the things that irked me about that whole argument that I was telling you was happening in the past couple of years is that Dynamo fans said, oh, yeah. That's what you are. Stay in your lane. Uh, you guys are ne- you guys are not designed to win. Cha- you're an MLS two team. You're not designed to win a championship. And then you look at New York Red Bulls two in 2016. You look at just last year, Real Monarchs, the affiliate or, or, or the MLS two or the the two team for Real Salt Lake. They want a USL championship, being a two team. Yeah. So don't tell me that it's not possible. It's the the Dynamo wants. RGV to be successful and in USL championship and for the way that they've handled the RGV that's that that's that's not their that's not their main focus and how RGV was marketed was told to the fans when it first started that it was going to be a, a team that was going to fight for championships mm-hmm. and we feel very slighted uh, as a fan base yeah no i mean yeah and the way that i see it it comes from like the top 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 in Houston and unfortunately I think everybody knows the situation and it just kind of unfortunately kind of trickles down to to you guys you know y'all got y'all y'all get the short end of the stick in a way mm-hmm. um but my next uh thing that I want to talk about which I don't know how you feel about it but I I think I know how I feel about it which is the promotion relegation uh me personally like I was talking to my dad uh, yesterday and I was, you know, I was telling him that I was going to talk to you and stuff like that. And then, you know, the whole division two of soccer and stuff like that. And I was like, but can you believe that? That I was like, nobody goes up and nobody goes down. And then obviously I had to explain to him the whole like business side of thing in a way that that's the reason why the MLS doesn't bring it in. But I think it would make soccer so much better to have like, teams wanting to go up and teams not wanting to come down. Like the, like, obviously it would, it would make all these owners like literally put money in to stay it, you know, to stay on top. But what what are your thoughts on that? I am a huge supporter of promotion relegation. Uh, Like I said, being in the culture uh, of the Mexican league who for a long time had promotion relegation being a fan of a team that dealt with relegation and then right away coming back up, you know, by winning uh, in the Ascenso both uh, half seasons mm-hmm. and, and seeing, you know, how the team evolved from, from relegation to where they're, at, where they're at now. I feel like having relegation, like you said, it's going to make owners actually responsible in how they – uh, they prepare their team because right now you have no impulse to make a good team other than winning a championship, but only one team yeah. wins a championship, right? Exactly. So right now at this point, and I hate using, actually, 
taking it back. I like using the Dynamo uh, <laughs> as an example. But right now, Gabriel Brenner and the ownership group of the Houston Dynamo, they really have no, uh, no impulse to, to, make, to make this team better, to spend more money into, into the roster. Why? Because they know even if they have a horrible season, they were always going to be in MLS. Yeah. Whereas, let's say in Mexico, when we did have promotion relegation, you had, a te- you had teams like Necaxa, León, La, like Lobos Buap, where even if they couldn't necessarily buy players, they could try to get some loans of decent players that will allow them to uh, stay in the Mexican first division. You saw Cholos one year, at, one or two years after they were they they ascended from Ascenso to first division, they won the championship yeah. in Liga MX. So. Yeah. It really if it allows owners that have the means to invest in their team, it allows them to do so because they don't they don't want that that all that work that they did to come up to lose it, or they don't or, or owners historic owners like let's say Atlante who are in the Ascenso right now, but they were a historic team. They are, yeah. That because of mismanagement by their front offices for many years. They lost their first division. They lost their first division status, and that is actually an effect. That is act. There is an actual. What's the word I'm look I'm looking for? Um, punishment yeah. for not taking the not taking things seriously. Yeah. I just feel like I just feel like having no promotion, have no relegation, really uh, feeds into the mediocrity of the lower side teams. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I, I mean, also me following like you know the Argentinian league, and and you see like also like not only the way that the front office or like teams would like manage their team like their players and teams, but also like the players themselves, like knowing that you have the possibility of like for example saying RGV has the chance to like come up to this to the MLS to the first division, and. And you're gonna you're gonna have guys that want it. Like it, it's not only gonna make like the MLS a better league, but also the USL Championship a better league, USL One, uh, League One a better like a better league. And it's just it's gonna trickle down because everybody's gonna have that desire to like go up. Like like I I was watching uh, Leeds uh, that Amazon uh, documentary on Leeds. Like mm-hmm. they went and they got Bielsa. Like you're talking about a, a manager that managed Argentina in a World Cup. And it, it leads United. Like, yeah, they might be historical team, like, in the name. But it's in the second division. Like, teams that, you know, they, they want it, they're going to go out there and, you know, put their money where their mouth is. And they're going to not only – because then you – like, for example, the Wolves right now in England, like – they went out there. They made changes. They bought players. They, you know, they bought uh, the Mexican guy. Like his name. Yeah, like, you know, you go out there and you buy good players. And look at them now. They're fighting for a Champions League spot. Like, mm-hmm. two years ago, they were, you know, in the second division. And now they're uh, in a possible Champions League, like, status. 
Leicester City. Let's 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 not go let, let's not go that far away. Exactly. They won the championship, right? Like a couple years ago too. Yeah. And, and right after right after getting promoted. And like literally that puts your whole team, like your whole city, like on the map. Like now they are the team. Like there you whenever you say Manchester United, you say Arsenal, you have to say Le- you know, Leicester City, you have to say Wolves. You kind of have to include them in that because now they, they turned around. And also the money, the money side. Like once you make it to the Champions League spots, once you make it to winning the Premier League, that brings a lot of cash. That brings a lot of promotions. That brings a lot of sponsors. That brings a lot of money that you can, you know, buy players and keep your team competing. And mm-hmm. I don't know why the U.S. is the way that it is, you know? <laughs> like it pisses and- you off. And I think it it all goes down to sports culture. In American sports culture, there is no such thing as relegation. And they want there's they want soccer to be the same way. They want soccer to be in conferences. They want soccer to have this specific a, a specific schedule due to how big you know the uh, the the variance in, in climate is from north to south. You know where if you try to play in the winter, like you have snowstorms in in Minnesota. That yeah. it won't allow you to allow you to play, which that is understandable, but the refusal the refusal to to deal with promotion relegation their the refusal to kind of um, allow the nature of the sport to grow to be soccer be its own individual identity rather than being a copycat of every of every other nation salary caps draft uh, college drafts yeah. like all of, all of that hindered. MLS for a while until now when we're starting to see MLS teams creating their own academies, you know, uh, and and trying to keep up with the rest of the world. So I figure, I figure like if we've already done going through, through through academies, we're starting to assimilate some of the world soccer culture into MLS. Why not, why not go with with promotion relegation? Now here's the thing though. I always love playing um, devil's advocate with myself. The thing about it is, is, you have a lot of you have a lot of teams in USL Championship that are still playing in baseball stadiums. I mentioned San Diego Loyal; they're still playing in a college stadium. They don't have soccer-specific stadiums. You know, uh, a lot of these teams, if not all of them, they're 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 uh, they're operating at a loss. You know, so. It, the I feel, and also the talent level. I feel the talent level between MLS and USL, uh, outside of teams like Phoenix Rising. You know, it's a huge disparity. Yeah. So I feel that's also what feels the the whole idea of promotion relegation between MLS and USL. However, I feel like if we want to try pro rel, and I know Jake Edwards, who is the president of the USL, he is open to the idea of doing promotion relegation within USL. So from championship to League One. Should. So yeah. once League One has more stability financial wise more mm-hmm. teams with it they're open to exploring the idea of promotion relegation between those those two leagues so yeah, i feel okay. if that is successful i feel i figured maybe mls might follow suit and also like this might be this might sound bad in a way but i think if you just like let it happen and like the teams that can't do it well you know sorry in a type of way i know it sounds kind of bad cuz you obviously you don't want to see any teams kind of die off mm-hmm. but if you're looking for like the betterment of like soccer as a as a sport here in the US and having the competitiveness of like a European team or like a Mexican league or a South American league like 
you know, sometimes you're just going to have to, you know, cut them off in, in a way and not, not cut them off, but like, you know, bring them down a step till, till they get to that level. And then, cause obviously it's not going to happen overnight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to have to start at one point, you know, do you think it, there's a chance or possibility that it could ever happen in your honest opinion? I honestly think that I honestly think that they do. Uh, there was in the, mostly also because, like I said, Jack Jake Edwards, the president, is open to the idea, but also most of the fans are open to the idea. Yeah. Jeff Reuter, Jeff Reuter of the Athletic, actually did a a fan uh, a fan poll. Uh, I think like two or three weeks ago, and one of the questions was, "Are you supportive of promotion relegation?" And the majority of the fans that answered that that survey said they were in favor of promotion relegation, yeah. which I feel is a lot higher compared to MLS fans. If you ask them the, the, the same question. So, like I said, I think, I think what my idea is, and it also, and I, an idea that handles your issue that you're saying about teams that might not be ready to make those, mm-hmm. the, make those uh, fat jumps, keep league one for those teams that are still not financially stable. Yeah. And then add a USL Premier. So between Premier and USL Championship, you know you have teams that are more than capable financial-wise to deal with the ups and downs of moving up and down within within those those two uh, region or those two leagues, and have a fan base that you know are going regardless of whether they're in Premier or in Championship, then it will be they will stick with the team. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, yeah. And then also like another thing is that um, I was listening to the soccer Cooligans. I don't know if you listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking with some dudes, and they were talking about how, like for example, in in like Brazilian like Brazil. I was gonna say Brazilian countries in Brazil or like Argentina and stuff like that. Like there's a thing of like you know uh, when you sell players, you get money for that. You know, like obviously you get a, like a kickback. And and that's why those teams like develop their their academies, which is something that we are seeing right now, right? You know, mm-hmm. like the academies having you know signing fifteen year old fifteen year old kids that you know maybe at one point in time you'll be able to sell them off and you know make profit for your team, and and that's part of the culture too, like having, um, like those like you yourself building your players, building your academy for, for profit, like, like, like the whole business side of soccer in the world is kind of different to the business side soccer in the MLS, which obviously, you know, it, it's not going to change overnight because here in the U S we, we have a different mentality of sports. Like mm-hmm. we see sports in a whole different way that everybody does. It's more business than passion in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, even me, like a Houston Dynamo fans, knowing that the Houston Dynamo might get relegated in the first three years of promotion relegation, I am open to yeah to promotion relegation. Like, and and I think that's one also one of the things is that the culture here with fan bases, fan bases haven't established. So, for example, in the case of the Premier League, in the case of Liga MX, most of the teams have been since the beginning of the uh, of the century, if not before. Right, so they've established a tradition. They've established a long-term fan base that are passionate about this team. That are sometimes they're actual members of the team uh, of the club, you know, with stocks or or some way or another. But they are either you know they've helped fund the team. Yeah. Whereas here in the United States, we're not allowed fan ownership of teams. 
we are not a MLS doesn't allow teams to be able to keep all of the money that they get from selling from selling players. It'll go. I think a majority of it goes to the league itself. You know, so I feel like I feel like the MLS. While I understand the whole point of making these regulations like GAM, TAM, and all that stuff, yeah. was to maintain sort of financial stability in in the beginning of MLS. Since we've seen you know other leagues like NASL trying to go in with a free market approach and failing because teams got too too big for you know spent too much than what they were making, you know, so that the league folded. But now it's come to a point, and we're at what, 32 teams, if I'm not mistaken, in MLS? No, we are like, we are big enough to allow the bigger teams, the, the, the more heavy checkbook teams like Atlanta United, like, like uh, Seattle, like Portland, stop coddling them and allow them to grow. And that'll allow them to be more competitive in CONCACAF Champions League maybe even beating a Tigres and America Royales and Kaka Champions League and making it to the, to the, to the club world yeah. cup, you know, allow that we're past. I feel like we're past the coddling phase uh, of MLS. We should allow them. We should allow them to grow, make them milk them say self-sustainable. If that means that some teams, like you say, are going to have to go to another league or, or because they're not financially capable of doing that. That's so be it. But at least now we know that our league is uh, is going to be consistent of financially stable and financially uh, strong uh, markets and clubs, franchises, let me be correct, yeah. uh, in the first division. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a whole, like, conversation for four hours, like, this whole, like <laughs> – the American culture and like, yeah, man, like, cause you, you end up like going, like end up talking about business and like capitalism and like this and that. It's just so much, like so much. Um, so we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll probably, <laughs> let, let's have another talk someday Sure. Uh, with, you know, with more people. Let's talk more crap about <laughs> the league that we love. Um, but let's go back to the USL. Um, do you have any um like uh, not expectations but any um what are they what are these called when you like what you think is gonna happen how do you think the the groups are gonna pan out who do you think is gonna you know make it into the playoff bracket uh, do you do you are you willing to give any predictions i think uh i think at this time um the only prediction that I'm well aware, well founded, and that I'm comfortable enough to make has got to be with the uh, the the group that RGV is in. Yeah. Mostly because I know this these teams uh, a little bit better than, let's say, for example. I mean, we know that Phoenix Rising is probably going to make it in in their group. You know, we know that uh, out in the West, the MLS two teams are going to be horrible. You know, so you're going to see like <laughs> teams like Reno, teams like Real Monarchs. Teams like uh, maybe Sacramento Republic will probably come up on top of those groups. And the MLS2 teams like LA Galaxy 2, Timbers 2, uh, Tacoma Defiance, they're probably going to be ha- having horrible results, right? So, but at least with, with, um, group, with the group with RGV, I am, I'm going to say that Austin Bold is going to come out first 
and I have a feeling, my gut feeling says that RGV is going to come in second. Right. Like, I think, I think second and third are going to be coming down to the wire between, between RGV and San Antonio. And that's just going to add more fuel to the fire <laughs> to the rivalry. Right. right. Just, just in case you didn't have enough. Yeah. Here's some more. <laughs> right. That's cool. And a bunch of these games are actually going to be on ESPN, right? Or ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Actually, well, compared to other seasons, there's going to be more uh, games that are going to be on ESPN2. Mm-hmm. In fact, today they released the whole, all of the games that are going to be on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes. But the rest of the games, they're going to be on ESPN+, Plus, which is a su- subscription service. Yeah. Which, by the, which honestly, honestly, you're paying five, I think it's like $5.99 a month. Yeah. But you not only get the USL, you also get Serie A. You also you get a lot of leagues. You, I think you get. I think you actually get like the. Uh, I think I don't remember. It's. I I have it. So. I think it's like uh, the championship or one of the one of the cups. You yeah, actually you, you, you get, get. Yeah. Yeah. So you get a lot of soccer and other sports for five ninety nine a month. Yeah, yeah, and then if you have kids, you get the whole package with Disney Plus. <laughs> and, Hulu. Bucks. and Hulu <laughs> and Hulu yeah that's the one we have we, like we have this thing for the kids Hulu for my wife and ESPN for myself <laughs> yeah so it works out good um but yeah that was that was basically it man um I'm, I think we could probably talk for more hours about <laughs> about you know this whole league stuff and soccer and stories and stuff like that um but I'm gonna go ahead and let you go I know you have stuff to do um but before you go if you want to just let the people know uh, again where they can find you, where where they can hear you, where they can see you. <laughs> sure. Um, so, if you guys want to follow me, which uh, I'm just gonna say, don't follow me, please, for your personal sanity, don't follow me. I always say that at any time. But guys, if you want to follow, you'll follow me. Uh, I'm on Twitter at eochoa underscore eight. Uh, Instagram, I it's eochoa ditv eight. If you guys want to hear more about my podcast uh, with Down in the Valley, uh, we usually go live every Wednesday uh, on YouTube, and uh, which is youtube.com slash Down in the Valley. Uh, and then we also have the podcast on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And of course, you know, if you guys um, ha- are more into the Spanish kind of side kind of things, I'm starting to uh, create more content for Dynamo and Dash with Mente Futbolera. Uh, uh, on their website, mentefutbolera.com. Uh, but other other than that, is you know, it's just it's just, uh, it's just me talking about about soccer and uh, talking about modding video games, you know, and <laughs> a little bit a little bit of other of other more serious stuff. But um, that's up to you to decide if you, if you guys enjoy that or not. <laughs> and just as a follower, I can say he's a good follow. You know, if you want to be informed, he's he's good. He's a good. He's a good. Um, also, I was going to tell you, I was watching um, the MLS with Kalen Carr. They did like this, the thing called the movement, which is like a whole bunch of episodes. And I, I saw you in there because yeah, they went yeah. down to RGV for an episode. And then I was watching it and I was like, well, interesting, RGV. And I watched it and you were like center of the stage right there. Yes. So I believe I was actually, I was already in Houston at that time. And I had no idea that that was going to take place. I was like, I was part of the stampede, but um, before I, like I said, before I left 
And then I came down there, I was playing the trombone, you know, with the stampede. And then like, oh, surprise, it's like, Kalen Card was there, like recording us or like, <laughs> it was like, and then, and then uh, when when the documentary actually came out, you know, a bunch of my friends are like, "Hey, I saw you on there." Like, well, I was like, "What?" And then they showed me where, and I was like, what? "Nice, you're famous." Yeah. <laughs> you're a couple seconds famous. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I I like to I like to say like, I'm just like every every other fan out there. You know, I just happen to have a microphone in front of me, but that doesn't make me any better of a fan or any more of a passion of a fan than uh, anybody that that's out there. So uh, that's one thing that kind of that, that irks, that irks me saying like, Oh, I'm a better fan because I do this. I do that. Like, no, we all love this team equally. We all do different things to show our love for it. But at the end of the day, we are all dynamo fans. We are all RGB fans. We are all whatever fan base that you wish and love. We're all that there. Nobody is better than the other. We all support in, in our ways that is financially possible or, or even schedule, uh, possibility when it comes to scheduling. But we are all, all of this team in one way or another. Cool. And also, just to finish up, because if not, we're, we'll be here forever. Uh, two questions. How do you think the Dash is going to do? And how do you think the Dynamo is going to do? Dash. If, <laughs> hold on. If Jane Campbell keeps putting those walls in the middle of the goal and standing behind them, She's not even doing any good. I will, I will say this, man. I am glad I was not the only one to mention that because I felt like I was going and I, I felt like I was crazy. Like, is, did nobody else see this? Right. Like, this is bad. Like, this is like everybody's like talking about like, oh, like, well, we did good. And like, like, no, we were 3-1, but we lost it. Like, why can't everybody focus on the negatives instead of just focusing on the positives? The team is not going to get better if we just keep focusing on the positives. But going back to your question, I feel like, the dash are going to make some improvements obviously because it's an 18 tournament now because uh orlando pride is out they're all going to make it to the playoffs uh in quarterfinals i think if anything they might make semifinals but that's where it's going to end all right and, and for the dynamo the dynamo i said they're if this if this uh, mls is back tournament continues if they do squeak by to the next to the next round it's going to be because they made uh be the better of the third places not because they made top two yeah it's a tough group huh yeah tough tough all right brother well let me just go ahead and shout myself out real quick uh if you guys are listening uh cuatro cuatro dos q u a t t r o dos uh like the formation and uh so that's on instagram i'm thinking about starting a twitter for it it's just so much stuff but I can barely handle my own accounts. And then my accounts, you know, they're under Chris Putalias, uh, C-R-I-S-P-U-T-A-L-L-A-Z. And yes, my name has the word puta in it. But it's okay. Ah, no, bueno. Ah, no, bueno. Cortale, mi chavo. Cortale. But it's uh, like I always tell people, it's European. It's not, it's, you know, I didn't make it up. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's where you can find everything. Um, Hopefully we'll have this one on YouTube, this interview with Edson, and also it's going on the podcast as well. Uh, but yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you for, you know, taking some time. Hopefully we can do this uh, again soon because uh, obviously this this has been fun. It's almost like an hour and a half, <laughs> but it's been cool. I like talking. I like talking soccer with, with like-minded people. So, it, you know, we can do this again sometime. 
and I definitely appreciate uh, for you uh, inviting me uh, onto the podcast. And like, I, and like I said before, like we are all here to help each other out because at the end of the day, we're all covering, we're all covering the Houston Dynamo. When we all have our different styles in coverage, but we all covering the same team. And if we want, like I said, if we want the coverage for this team to be better, the more the better. For sure. Next year, we're all buying a radio station and we're just putting our shows on it. Uh, <laughs> You know, that sounds like a good idea. And I just need to win the lottery. Right. That's what I'm saying. We just got to make some more money and then we'll, we're off. We'll, we'll have a Gabriel Brenner uh, buy us something. <laughs> that's that's going to be difficult. Que compre refuerzos. I know. If you're not going to buy them on the field, buy them on the press box, you know? Right. But it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for your time. And, and, you know, be safe in your travels as you make it down to, to the Valley. Definitely. And everybody, every one of your audience have a safe 4th of July weekend because we, we hope to see everybody out of BVBA Compass Stadium or actually BVA Stadium once all of this passes. Hopefully it will be done soon, but everybody yeah. has to do their part. For sure. Everybody stay home, wear your mask, don't be stupid and just have fun in, in a fun, safe way. See you guys. Thank you for everything. See you guys next time.